Hello everyone, welcome to Join the Club podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Jones, which sounds so weird even saying, like that just doesn't even sound right coming out of my mouth, but thank you for being here from literally from the bottom of my heart. I am so grateful that you're here. I've been praying for you and I am just so excited to, I don't know, start this little podcast thing and um, give it a go. So thank you for being here. Um, Bear with me as I talk your ear off for goodness knows how long, but again, love you, thank you, Jesus loves you, and so do I. So, I guess, you know, how podcasts go is I say hi, and then we jump right in to the bulk of the episode. So today, I'm going to be talking about 23 things that I've learned in 23 years of life and am still learning. I feel like I need to place a special emphasis on the I'm still learning part because, oh my goodness, I have not learned all of these fully and completely and probably never will. But these are just things that I've picked up in 23 years and want to share with you so that maybe something lands with you and maybe it'll inspire you to take charge of your life or a certain aspect of your life and ultimately feel less alone. Starting with number one, you won't feel better until you feel your feelings. This goes for grief, friend breakups, romantic breakups, job changes, bodily image, etc. Crying is coping. If you know me, you know I will die on that hill. If you've come to me for any type of problem and you've been crying and you're like, I'm so sorry, I'm crying. No, girl, you know I will cry with you. Like, crying is coping. Do not feel guilty for feeling these emotions. You need to feel them in order to get through whatever you're going through. You are not going to get over anything. You need to work through it. And the way to work through it is to feel what you're feeling. If you push down your emotions, it's going to build and build and build and eventually explode. We all know someone who does that. And it is that volcano when it erupts is a disaster. It is just so messy and so hard emotionally on everyone involved. And I feel like feeling your feelings allows you to sit down and really sit with yourself and work through each individual aspect of the feeling that you're feeling and kind of pinpoint where it's coming from, why you have that feeling, how can we implement better coping strategies in the future so that we know how to deal with this. I know personally a specific example of me feeling my feelings is I recently had to move from Savannah, Georgia back home and that was so hard and leaving all my friends and dealing with what else I was dealing with on top of that, like the reason I had to move home, was so difficult. But I feel okay right now because I feel like when it happened, I felt my feelings. I sat down, I cried, I got that out, and then I sat and I reflected on you know, I'm never going to let someone make me feel like this again. I am never going to let myself get to this point again. I'm going to implement some strategies to prevent this from happening again. I am going to plan to reevaluate next steps later. Like, I kind of made a plan for myself through my feeling. Like, as I was feeling my feelings, I was breaking down each part and so obviously crying was a big part of that and going to therapy was another part of that which was super hard and it's still hard and it allowed me to feel my feelings in a safe space with a licensed professional that helped give me tools to work through what I'm going through now and what I will go through in the future. 
Number two is that healing is not linear at all. Healing comes in waves, it has its seasons, and healing has a certain fluidity to it. Something I read in a book recently is that closure is sometimes overrated. It suggests that there is some magic way to get over something. Like you get to a certain point and your feelings are wrapped up in a pretty box with a pretty bow. But life isn't like that. If you aren't over it, you aren't over it. A specific example from my life is trigger warning, death, you know, all like this is really sad. But my dog passed away a couple weeks ago and this was such a traumatic experience, um, the way that it happened. And I was given her collar and I have a print of some of her paws and they're in a box, a pretty box with a pretty bow and they're under my bed. And I think a part of me wanted to put them in the box and then put them away in hopes that once I put it away, I'd stop thinking about it. But in all reality, like healing is not linear. Like, yeah, I felt fine for a little while and then I went to bed and cried because I missed her. I couldn't just get up and go snuggle her on the couch or take her on a walk. But then the next day I went to work and I didn't think about her. And I know that sounds terrible, but my point is that it's up and it's down. Like some days you are going to be like, I am on top of the world. I feel great. And then the next day you're going to be like, will I ever be happy? Will I ever start to heal? And the answer is yes to both of those. Like you are going to plummet again and you are going to skyrocket again. Like healing is not linear and it never will be. And as soon as you accept that, you're going to be better prepared for the healing journey. And I am talking to myself more than anybody else here because I feel like I just expect for me to do certain steps and then be a-okay, but I'm not. It still hits you out of nowhere like a freaking bus. But anyway, so healing is not linear. Number three is nobody cares about you as much as you think. And that comes off sounding so harsh, but I don't mean it in a way that nobody cares how you are or, like, if you're succeeding. Like, no. I mean it as in nobody cares what you look like, what you're doing, um, and what you're wearing, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I feel like we're so concerned with appearing put together, appearing cool enough and having enough friends and blah 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 but like honestly nobody cares this also applies to eating alone in a restaurant dressing how you feel comfortable laughing loudly smiling big and not shrinking yourself for anyone um I feel like you know what I'm talking about when you walk into a basketball game and everyone's looking at you as you walk in and it's just like you want to shrink because you just feel like everybody's judging you but screw that like walk in with your head held high your shoulders back and smile like do not shrink yourself for anyone I feel like especially with social media these days it has painted a false reality of people actually caring what you're wearing what you're doing what you're looking like like I feel like everyone's trying to appear cooler than they are to everyone and it's just this whole thing of just you are living for others and you're not living for yourself and you're not living to fulfill your purpose like you're literally living to appear cooler than everyone and I am so guilty of this so this is not me standing on a pedestal like I'm so guilty I'll get to the whole social media thing later but I'm very guilty of this and I'm trying to 
learn that nobody cares what I'm doing. Number four is do not expect everyone to love you the way that you love them. This has been one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn. I'm still learning it and still coming off the tail end of experiencing a time when I had to apply this lesson. Um, But let's just, I'm going to preface this by saying there is a difference between loving in different ways and a lack of love. So I like to think of it as like love languages. If you don't know what love languages are or what your love language is, I highly suggest you look them up. Um, It's super beneficial in relationships and friendships even and with your parents and really it just allows you to have a better understanding of how you give love and how you receive love well and kind of can give you insight to how other people are sharing their love with you. And so I have some friends that are so good about calling me and texting me and like checking in on me periodically but I can't say that I am the greatest at that, of giving that in return. I wish I was. I think about them all the time. I think about them daily. I love to, like, fly out or drive to them or, like, spend time with them. I'm a big quality time person, so not being near them, it's really hard for me to express my love for them. Um, Stuff like that. So that is a great example of, like, still loving each other well, but it's going to look different. And being able to recognize that just because they're not coming to drive and see me and spend quality time with me does not mean that they don't love me. It's hard to do that. Like, if you don't have the time, you don't have the time. It's just they have a different way of showing their love. And I think being able to differentiate between a lack of love and a different way of showing your love is going to strengthen the relationships that you have and allow you to you know, not, I don't want to say weed out the bad friends, but help you understand that it can look different. When you do find a friend that loves you well and loves you in the way that you love them, keep that person and never let them go. I have someone that we are so similar in the ways that we show our love to each other and appreciation, and I've never been so grateful to have a relationship like that, especially one of the spirit and I just thank God every day for all of my friends and that we all love each other and show our appreciation to each other and I could not be any more lucky. But I have had to deal with hardships in relationships because I have not been shown the love that I deserved, especially what I was giving back. And so I feel like this is a lesson that I've had to learn when it comes to discernment and really just being self-aware and aware of my... Number five is a lesson that I have had to learn recently, and it has been so very difficult, but it is that nothing is worth you feeling like you're not enough. If it costs you your peace, it is not worth it. If it costs you your self-confidence and your self-worth, it's not worth it. And in my case, unfortunately, the experience had made me lose my desire to exist. And that is super dark and dreary. I won't go into that. But I started therapy back up because of this experience. And I left this experience. And it was the hardest decision I've ever made. But ultimately, I'm at peace with it because I did not have any peace when I was there. I had no sense of myself. I had no purpose. I felt like what am I even doing here? Like, 
I'm not good enough for this. I wasn't being supported by some people who I should have been supported by. I was being gaslit. Like, it was just a really toxic environment for me personally. I'm not going to speak on someone else's behalf, so that's not what this is. Like, they could feel completely different. But personally, the way that I was feeling, I realized it was not healthy for me. It was not... Like, my career and my goals were not worth the cost of my will to exist or like my self-confidence and my self-worth like the lord knew me in my mother's womb and decided that i was enough and if something is making me feel otherwise i don't want it like if you know anna on tiktok or she's like if he doesn't do blah 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 i don't want it like that's literally how i feel about this like if it makes me feel like that I do not want it. Please exit the building. Like, mom, come pick me up. I, I'm not having it. Number six, on a little bit of a lighter note, routines are your best friend or my best friend specifically. Obviously, you may not like routines. You may love to live a spontaneous life. If that is you, I am so jealous. But I have learned since being home and starting a nine to six job that routines are make or break for me like I have developed a strong morning and night routine and it has allowed me to really feel good when I go to work and when I come home I'm excited for my night routine like being able to unwind at night um it's been really beneficial for me and has allowed me to create some habits and learn a little bit about how these healthy habits have really been able to kind of change some aspects of my life So for my night routine, just going to kind of give you a little rundown of what it is. I usually start winding down around 9 p.m. I get home from work at 6.30. And from then, I do, I like, I eat dinner. I watch Jeopardy with my parents. That's so dorky. But I watch Jeopardy and then I start on some work, whether that means grad school work or I have been working on this podcast recently, but that is a time from dinner until nine that I take to do what I've been wanting to do when I've been at work. So like scrolling through TikTok even, or maybe watching an episode of a new show or picking out an outfit for the next day, or I don't know, you know, you get the gist. But once nine o'clock hits, um, I have like a focus setting on my phone and I usually like dim down the lights in my room. So I turn my lamps and kind of warm up the room light-wise, and I turn the temperature down, and that's when I go shower. That's when I do my skincare routine. That's when I turn on my comfort show. So right now, it's friends, has been friends for a while, but I have anxiety, so I have to go to sleep with something very softly playing in the background. So I usually turn on friends and kind of just like, once I hear friends, I know that it's time for me to start kind of winding down. And I try to, like, stay off of TikTok and social media at this time. Obviously, very unsuccessful majority of the time, but, you know, still learning. So, I put that up, and I start winding down, getting ready to go to bed. Not only has this allowed me to develop a better sleep schedule, but I also have started to look forward to coming home. Like, I look forward to going to work. I'm a preschool teacher. I really love it. Um, I love those kids. But they're a lot, and I'm exhausted by the end of the day. Like, I'm so tired. And so coming home and blocking off time for me to do certain things 
and then I know once I hit a certain point I can finally relax and unwind it has really created like a healthy rhythm for myself so I don't know I feel like routines have been my best friend I'm still working on my morning routine I hate waking up it doesn't matter what time I literally like despise waking up in the morning if you know me you know I'm not a morning person and I struggle every day to not snooze my alarm and not you know bail out of the day but um still working on a morning routine but I think routines are so important and allow you to build healthy habits number seven is seasons change but the lord remains I've had to apply this so much within my life recently. Um, You know me, I have been hopping around, moving everywhere it seems. I graduated college and then my parents moved from where I grew up down to Mississippi where I knew absolutely no one, so I had no friends. And then I started grad school in Auburn, so I moved there, but then I got an internship in Savannah, Georgia, so I moved there, but then shit hit the fan and now I'm back in Mississippi So, so much has changed. My friends, places I've lived, job desires, career goals, and my body has changed. Like, so much has changed. But I keep looking back and I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Like, I may may be tired, but that's okay because the Lord remains. His character has remained unchanged. His love for me is unchanging. He is so faithful and he will sustain me no matter where I am who I'm around, what I look like, what I'm doing for work. Um, And that is something that has been super comforting for me and something that I cling on to like my life depends on it because my life does depend on it. My life depends on the grace of God and the sustainability that he provides. And that is something that I really love and I really hope that you lean into that and really hear that one. Number eight is something I wish that I had a megaphone for and could scream at my 18, 19, 20, and 21-year-old self. (laughs) That is so many years. But it is do not drink because you feel like you have to. Drink only if you want to and only as much as you want to. I wish I could slap myself in college across the face with this. Because drinking does not make you cooler. It doesn't make you more attractive. It doesn't make you better than anyone or better than you already are without alcohol in your system. My, at least my freshman year of college, I went to a really conservative Christian college, but all of the cool kids, like all of the athletes, not all of them, but the people and like boys and things like that, that I found myself surrounded with, like they were all drinking, they were all smoking and I didn't like doing that. Like I, I literally, I did not enjoy doing that, but I felt like I had to, if I wanted to appear cool and I wanted to appear woke and hot and likable and that is such crap like it makes me mad even just talking about it because drinking does not make you cooler it does not make you hotter it does not make you something that you're not like drinking to me I hate being drunk like obviously I have before didn't really enjoy it like sometimes it's fun to have a buzz and go dancing but like who wants to be sick who wants to be hung over the next day like I I personally don't enjoy that Given, let me just say, I'm not judging you if that's what you like to do, but the whole point of this is drink what you want and only as much as you want to. Like, don't feel like you have to take a shot because someone else is taking a shot. But also, if someone doesn't want to drink, don't feel like you don't have to drink with them. You can drink if you want to. 
I remember one time someone told me that, oh, I feel bad, like, now that you're not drinking, like, I feel like you're judging me for not drinking, and that really hurt my, like, that really hurt my soul, because I was like, girl, honestly, I do not care what you do, as long as you're safe, and I'm safe, I do not care what you do, like, you drink if you want, I'm gonna chill here with my water, or my Sprite, my favorite thing is getting club soda with a lime, yeah, a lime, and maybe, like, a dash of Sprite, or whatever you have, something that looks like alcohol, so that, you appear like you're cool. I'm like I said, still learning this lesson. Okay. I know that, you know, but just because you're not drinking doesn't mean your friend can't or vice versa. But that is a lesson that I wish that I could have screamed from the rooftops at specifically me in college. Number nine, it kind of makes me sad because, you know, I'm kind of going through this at the moment, but Um, I've gotten a little better about it, but I think back to myself a year ago and I really wish I could just give myself a hug and like tell her that you are beautiful. It doesn't matter what size you are, but don't shop for how you wish you looked shop for how you look now, like, or at that moment, your body is going to fluctuate. Your body is going to change, especially if you're a woman, you are going to grow and you are going to fluctuate and you are not going to be the same size you were when you were a 12 year old. I know specifically in my case, I was a college athlete, so I played soccer in college, and I had a different body then than I do now, and a part of me had to stop and grieve that part of my life, that body that I used to have, because I'm not a size 6 anymore. Like, I'm a size 10, and I hate even saying that out loud, but I'm trying to be candid, I'm trying to be vulnerable. I don't like that I'm a size 10, but I'm not fat. I'm not any less worthy because I'm a size 10 versus a size six or a four, whatever I was in college. Like I used to go to the store and try on jeans or pants and I would literally cry on my way home because I couldn't find one that fit me. But it wasn't that I couldn't find something that fit me. I just couldn't fit into the six anymore. So I was like, oh, forget it. Like whatever. And it was just a vicious cycle. And I really just expected myself to stay a six forever. And you know what? It's okay if you do stay six forever, but I personally haven't. My body has changed so much since quitting soccer and graduating on with my life. And so I now buy size 10 jeans and they look absolutely fantastic on me. My butt looks great in my size 10 jeans and I wear those with pride because it's okay to be the size that you are. Like, please stop trying to squeeze into an old shirt or an old pair of jeans or an old dress. Like, Go get something that celebrates the body that you have right now and allows you to feel confident in what you are now. Because the sooner you accept the way that you look at the moment, the sooner you'll be able to see the true beauty that the Lord has blessed you with. Because I guarantee you, no matter who you are, girl, boy, whoever, you are beautiful the way that you are. Number 10 is very niche, like (laughs) very specific to me, but... Number 10 is you are not too white and you are not too black. There is no such thing as being too much of what you equally are. This is something that I struggled with all through, honestly, the second half of middle school all the way to maybe sophomore year of college. Like I got braids for the first time in college my sophomore year and that opened up a whole new realm of self-love and self-appreciation for being half black and being a black woman and just embracing that part of me 
But I remember growing up in middle school and in high school, it'd be, you talk white, like, you dress white, like, you're too white for the black kids, you're too black for the white kids, like, and I feel like that really held me back in making friends with people of color, and I was scared that they were going to judge me, and that, like, yeah, I am too white, like, my parents were white, I was adopted, I looked Hispanic or Hawaiian or I, I honestly I, I looked anything but half black so I really just lost that part of me I didn't even consider myself to be black even though I was a whole half of that but looking back I wish I could have explained to myself that the people that are meant to be in your life and that are meant to be your friends are not going to care if you're too white or if you're too black Like, they're going to want to be your friend for you, and those are the people that you need to surround yourself with. I finally got braids my sophomore year of college, and I know that I was inspired because one of my best friends um, on my team was black, and she had braids, and I was like, you know what? I can do this. Like, she, like, encouraged me to go get braids, and she made me feel so validated in my blackness, and no one ever has before, and so that was super transformative for me and a turning point in my identity and I feel like I just wish I could give myself a hug and say you are enough and it doesn't matter if you talk white dress black like well that doesn't even mean anything number 11 is someone's beauty or success does not diminish your own this one really hits when it comes to high school. I think back to high school, my best friend was absolutely stunning. And I just would believe that because she's pretty, I'm not. Like, as if that even made sense. Like, what is that logic? But I feel like we all feel this way, especially with social media. We see beautiful people constantly on our feeds and we think that we don't even compare. But Someone else's beauty or success does not diminish your own. That is just plain and simple. You are still beautiful, just like they are beautiful. Number 12. This is probably my favorite thing to talk about because I love my friends so much. They mean so much to me. And number 12 is that your friends should inspire you. And you are a reflection of the people you surround yourself with. Um, I remember on Tumblr a while ago, like a long time ago, there was a saying that was circulating and it was like, your vibe attracts your tribe. Well, I honestly agree with that because I also believe vice versa, your tribe determines your vibe. (laughs) Like think of it as, okay, so if you go through a heartbreak, who do you call? Right. You call your friends, like you call your best friend and you ask them to come fix a heart that they did not break. And that whole heartbreak experience is so transformative. Like, that is a turning point, usually. And you want the people that you turn to to be able to fill your heart up and fill you up with life and love and truth and not toxic behaviors and toxic coping mechanisms. Like, these people that you call and call your best friends are going to be equipping you with coping mechanisms that are going to get you through your heartbreak and get you through your trials and tribulations. So, you need to. You want friends that inspire you to take better care of your health. You want friends that inspire you to do your devotions. You want friends that will call you and pray for you or pray with you or pray over you. Like, those are the kind of friends that you want in your life. You want people who are rooting for you and 
consistently pushing you to be the best version of yourself. Your friends should inspire you. They should not drag you down into detrimental habits and things that are not going to benefit you and serve you in the long run. Number 13 is don't feel in fear. And I know that sounds kind of funny, but a couple weeks ago, I saw someone post on their Instagram story, like, love as if it won't last. And I know that that's, this is not what that post meant, but in my mind, I kind of thought, I was like, oh no, I don't want to love as if like that person is going to leave me tomorrow. Because realistically, if a boy or a girl were to tell you that they were going to leave you tomorrow, like if you were with them and they said, I think I'm going to break up with you tomorrow. Realistically, today you would retreat like you would kind of like pull back and stop loving fully and you would kind of like be preparing yourself by withdrawing your love like that I feel like at least personally I know that that's how I would react and so I thought of that and I was like you know what never feel in fear because I feel like that will limit your mental capability to love fully and fiercely Now, I have had my heart broken so many times and I would still choose heartbreak over and over if it means I was able to love that person as genuinely and as fully as I felt. Back in, I think it was like my sophomore year of college or junior year, I can't remember, um, I fell in love with a boy, blah, 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 and I thought he fell in love with me too, but I was so, so invested in this relationship, like, he met my parents, like, he came home with me, like, I was absolutely infatuated with him, and I thought our relationship was good, he was going through a really hard time, like, so hard, I can't even imagine being in his position, and, you know, I still pray for him, like, I still hope that he's handling that, like, okay, and during that time, I poured into him as much as I could. I mean, I emptied my cup, and I know that that's not healthy on the self-love side of things, but I emptied my cup for him. Like, I gave him every ounce of love that I could. I wanted him to see the good in life, you know, and um, his friends would come up to me in the common area of our school and would say, hey, like, we're so grateful for you, like, you're so good for him, um, we're thankful that he has you, you have really been helping him during this time, and, you know, along those lines, and, you know, he broke my heart in half, I mean, absolutely demolished my heart, and so I've never, it never, I've never taken that long to get over someone before, and that was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, like, romantically, but, I'd still look back and I'm like, you know, I don't regret giving every ounce of love I had in my body. Like I, I would do it again if it meant that he felt loved and he felt seen and appreciated and supported and circling back, like don't feel in fear, like love your people so fiercely, so boldly because that's what you were put on this earth to do is to love one another and to build community. So moral of that is just don't feel in fear like love boldly number 14 makes me laugh because I have had to learn this over and over again but it is that you do not miss them you miss the moment 
And I think specifically back to a summer fling, a little fun thing that I had summer 2021. It was romantic. It was exciting. It was new. It was fun. It literally felt like a movie. Like that entire summer was straight out of a movie and it was so much fun, truly. Like so much fun. But I kept trying to see this boy that I had kind of developed feelings for the same way that I saw him in the summer, like later on. And I was like, what? Like, obviously he's trash. Um, and why am I expecting more from him? But I look back and I was like, you know, um, I, uh, you're not who I would go for outside of a fun, romantic, exciting, and new summer. Like, you are literally the complete opposite of what I desire in a partner. And, like, when I missed him, I was like, why am I missing that? But in reality, like, I'm missing the moment, the experience, the summer. Like, I'm missing a memory. And just, I feel like I had to throw this in here because, like, if you think you miss that person who treated you very, very poorly, you don't. You miss the moment. You miss the relationship, the idea of being in a relationship and having someone to share something with. Um, I promise you, you don't miss them. Number 15 is that if they truly wanted you, nothing would stop them from pursuing you. This goes for every relationship in your life, and it also goes for when you are wanting something and you are pursuing something, but specifically in romantic relationships if that boy is not showing you actions that he wants you and pursuing you in a mature and healthy way he doesn't want you don't let him fool you like he can say anything he wants but if he's not backing that up with actual actions of pursuit like boy bye like he does not want you and I've learned this the hard way and will probably continue to learn this until I find my husband lord willing but I think this also can be said, like, I found myself in situations where I was not backing up words with actions and, because I didn't want them, like, I didn't want to be with them, but I didn't want to hurt their feelings, I didn't want to deal with the whole emotional conversation of, hey, I don't think this is working out, like, that wasn't fair of me, like, that was rude of me to lead someone on and, um, act as if I wanted them but was not actually pursuing them if that makes sense so if they truly wanted you or if you truly wanted them nothing would stop them or you from pursuing it number 16 is she is not your competition she is your sister in Christ this also brings me back to high school kind of along the someone's beauty or success does not diminish your own but she's not your competition like just because they're prettier or they're in better shape or smarter or have accomplished more blah 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 like she's not your competition you are not in a race you're not it's not the olympics like no one's gonna win gold like she is your sister in christ you need to be loving her and supporting her and hopefully she's doing the same to you because you were not put on this earth to be her copy number 17 is to trust your freaking gut (laughs) And this goes with guys, friends with ill intentions, scary situations. Trust your gut. Trust the gut that the Lord has given you because your intuition will tell you things. Like having discernment can literally save your life. Um, I know I've carried pepper spray on my keychain. I have used pepper spray once and I hope to never have to use it again. But I have and 
I just feel like trusting your gut with guys, like, you know whether they're good news or bad news. Usually when you like a guy and they're not the most healthy option, the healthiest option for you, I feel like we typically know that, you know? I'm speaking from experience. We know that, but do we choose to ignore that? Yeah. Mm -hmm, definitely. So same goes with friends. Like, you know, if someone is secretly preying on your downfall, like, I feel like your gut is telling you the Lord hopefully is telling you. And you know what? The Lord is telling you, we just might not be listening, but trust your freaking gut. Trust the Lord. Like, I promise you having a little bit of intuition and discernment, like really goes a long way. Number 18 is social media should be fun. It shouldn't be a way for you to prove that you're better than someone else or be fake and act like you're having a great time when in fact life is not super fun at the moment. I am guilty of this. I still am guilty of this to this day. Sometimes I still find myself posting something to appear like I'm fine or to appear like I am thriving when I am most definitely not thriving. So... I still have to catch myself and if I do post something like that and I reflect on it and feel like I did that not just for fun and not to express creativity or joy or spread positivity like um I need to delete that I need to archive that like it had its moment and I need to stop like allowing that behavior from myself because it's not healthy like social media should be fun it should be a way to stay connected with friends and support our friends and just to find inspiration from and if it's not maybe it's time to take a step back and reevaluate why you have it what you're using it for and if you should have it because I have been you know toying with the idea of deleting my social media um just for that specific reason of I am not finding inspiration anymore I'm finding it as a source of self-deprecation like I find myself comparing myself and then I try to retaliate against that by posting something that just is me trying to look prettier than someone or, you know, you get the gist. But social media should be fun. It shouldn't be a negative experience. Number 19 is that not everyone deserves or is entitled to a response or an emotional response. I think that it's totally okay to say that you cannot give an explanation at the moment or you do not have the energy. Energy is currency and I think we need to spend it wisely. I think not everyone has good intentions when asking you what's wrong. So being able to have discernment if you do feel inclined to answer, I think that's super important. But I know with my recent um, experience... I've had a lot of people asking me questions and I had the energy to explain to some people what had happened, but eventually I found myself kind of just telling the story because I felt like I owed that person an explanation because they are my friend and like, why would I lie? But it's not necessarily about you hiding anything or lying or, you know, etc. I think it's more so if you don't have the energy or the emotional energy at the moment, it is okay to say, hey, it's not that I want to hide this, like, I just am really tired and it's been taking an emotional toll on me. I really don't feel like explaining. Or even better, you can literally just say, no, I don't want to talk about it. Number 20 is that everyone is going through life for the first time. I loved that. I don't know where I heard it or where I got that from, but 
everyone is doing this for the first time, just like you. Nobody knows everything. So give yourself some grace. Give others a little grace. Like, even when someone doesn't handle something the way you feel like it should be handled and you would handle it differently, like, okay, cool. But they're new to life too. Like, they even if they're 40, like they're only 40 once in their life. They just like, if they just turned 40, that's brand new to them. Like the age of 40, they've never done that before. So they could be going through things that you don't know about and you never will understand. Um, because everyone is unique. Everyone has experiences that are unique to them and they are experiencing these things for the first time, just like you're experiencing your life for the first time. So obviously self-discipline we need to realize when we've acted in the wrong but also like don't beat yourself up continuously for messing up because you are doing life for the first time just like everybody else number 21 is something that i feel like we all will continue to learn for the rest of our lives but nothing will satisfy you except the lord i know me specifically i have struggled with thinking that dressing cute and being pretty will satisfy me and that is super vulnerable of me to say but that is not the case like nothing will satisfy you except a relationship with the lord like fashion's not going to satisfy you sex isn't going to satisfy you your career is not going to satisfy you your friends are not going to satisfy you alcohol and weed not going to satisfy you it may give you satisfaction for 30 minutes or maybe a week but ultimately You are not going to be satisfied until you allow the Lord to be your source of contentment and your source of satisfaction because he is the only one who will continuously sustain you and without a doubt never fail you. So that is something that I am trying to continuously remind myself of and I really hope that if you hear anything from this episode or anything from me, I really hope that you hear number 21. Number 22 is... I have learned to never stop expressing your love for your people. Obviously, do this with boundaries, but people die, people leave, and one day you can't just go grab dinner with them on a random Monday night. So make sure that you build a good foundation with your people and you keep showing your love. Like You keep expressing your love to your people because, like I said, one day things are going to change and you don't want to be left with any regrets that you didn't say I love you enough or you didn't hug them enough or you didn't spend enough time with them. So if they are your people, never stop expressing your love. If you watch Friends, amazing. I love you even more. But um, I think of there's an episode when Rachel is trying to tell Ross that she is still in love with him. And Monica is trying to convince her not to because, spoiler alert, he had just said Rachel's name at his wedding instead of his fiance's and it was like a whole thing and so he was like obviously struggling with you know getting his wife back um but Rachel was like everyone loves to hear that someone loves them you know like everyone wants to hear that someone loves them and obviously (laughs) at that certain moment in Ross's life I feel like I could have waited but I like the concept of that and lastly number 23 is (laughs) To develop a riskometer, as my dad calls it. And I have lacked in the riskometer um, department my entire life. I've made poor choices 
(laughs) something that we tell our preschoolers at school is, I don't really like your choices today. And I haven't liked a lot of my choices in the past, and my risk meter has not been fully developed. Obviously, our prefrontal cortex does not fully develop until we're at least 25, 26, but I feel like developing some self-awareness and knowing what is a good and smart idea and what is not. I am still learning. I've gotten a lot better at that. I have a lot better um, intuition, and um, the Lord has gifted me with a little better sense of... (laughs) what has good intentions and what doesn't um but double check with your intuition double check with the lord like if something could potentially be disastrous like make sure that we're doing our best to prepare ourselves for that and like kind of be able to differentiate between good and bad because mm, i do not like some of my choices um and i wish that my risk meter would have been more developed so that was 23 lessons I've learned as a 23 year old and I really hope that one of them lands with you I really hope that you enjoyed listening to me ramble on and I again want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this and I really hope that this wasn't too painful to listen to if you know me no you don't but for real thank you from the bottom of my heart I'm praying for you Jesus loves you and so do I